Good morning, everybody. I don't know if I turned this thing on or not. We'll find out. How is everybody? Good. It's good to see. I don't know if you guys know, but there's a pandemic going on in the country right now. You guys don't seem to know that. So uh, it's, it's odd. maybe you're here, sitting here saying, this is strange. It doesn't, three months of like not being able to gather together. It's great to see you guys here in this place. And uh, we, we ironically started a series last week as we opened up. I know the Brigham's, Brigham's been, I don't know if, if uh, you guys know this, but you guys were the first Alpine campus to open up. And that's because either Eric's a rebel or you guys are all rebels or some combination of those things. Um, but we, when Eric said, hey, we're, I think we're ready, that, that they're going to let us open up, um, we were like, yeah, you be the guinea pigs. Brigham City can be the guinea pigs. So thank you for being guinea pigs for all of our campuses. We, yeah, give yourselves a hand. But all of our campuses opened up uh, last week, so every campus of Alpine is now open. And uh, we thought, to be ironic, we were going to start a series called The Churches Left the Building when we all opened up our buildings again. And so what we're doing in this series is we're taking a look at what the church is really all about. Now, I don't know what you think about when, you, when, when I say the word church, you, you probably think about a building. Well, notice the, t- the title of this series is The Church Has Left the Building because the church is a people It's not a building. It was never a building. And I think it's really easy to get confused and think that the church is a building instead of a people. If you read the Bible, anytime the word church is in there, they're not talking about a building. In fact, the early church didn't even have buildings. I don't know if you know that. The church is a people. Specifically, it's a people who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. This is what we talked about last week. The the basic message, the essential message of the church is that Jesus rescues us. And so for many of us, we've trusted in Jesus for salvation. Again, it turns out that we can't save ourselves. We can't make ourselves right with God by keeping a list of rules. You'll be happy to hear that because we've all blown it. But the only way to be saved is by trusting in what Jesus did when he went to the cross. He died for our sins. He rose from the dead. So that's the the essential message of the church is what we looked at last week. If you missed it, you can find that online at pursuegod.org forward slash AC. That's where we put all of our resources where you can talk about the sermon instead of just listening to a sermon. So make sure to check that out. So we've been going through the book of Acts, uh, which is the fifth book in the New Testament, which if if you never knew this, the book of Acts is the story of the early church. It's the story of the beginnings of the church. And today you're gonna learn more about that because today we're talking about, let's see if I turn this on or not, I didn't. I might have turned it off. Eric, never trust me with the, Oh, wait. Hold on. There's another button. I turned it on now. You got it? I think so. Oh, okay. Thank you. My lovely assistant, Eric. Thank you very much. All right. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay, good. All right. So, so today, thank you, Eric. Today, he's going to make fun of me for that later in staff meetings. So today, we're going to take a look at the essential mission, the essential mission. Last week, the essential message. What, what is the basic message? I've, I've been discipling a guy who, who's coming out of a different religion, and he's all confused about all these different things, all, this, all these doctrinal points, all these theological points. And I'm like, dude, just, just read the first five chapters of Acts and pay attention to the sermons. Peter's first four sermons are in chapters 
Acts chapters 2, 3, 4, and 5, his first four sermons, Peter's first four sermons, he wasn't seminary trained. He just was a fisherman who met Jesus, and Jesus said, hey, you're going to be a leader in my church. And the messages were basically, you're a sinner, Jesus died for you, rose from the dead. If you put your faith in him, you'll be saved. Okay, so there it is. If you're here today and you've never responded to that, you should, because when you respond to that, you become a part of the church. Okay? Which is not a building, it's a people. It's a people who have responded to that basic message. But today we're going to take a look at then the essential mission of the church. So what is the mission of the church from 2,000 years ago? Because the church started 2,000 years ago after Jesus died and rose again, and we read about it right here in Acts. The church started right before, uh, Eric, Eric preached a sermon a couple weeks ago on the ascension, right? So Jesus ascends in Acts chapter, ascends means he went up to heaven after he died and rose again. He ascended, and right before he ascended, he said some words to his disciples that basically were their, were their mission statement. And I'll tell you, in, in our words at Alpine, here's what the essential mission of the church is. It's our mission statement as a church, helping people pursue God. That's our mission. Our mission from day one as, a, as Alpine Church, 19 years ago, when we started Alpine Church, we said our mission is to help people pursue God. We got that from this, from this book. We got that from Acts chapter 1. Today's message is just going to be a review of that, okay? So the message, the way we say it is we want to help people pursue God. That's why we started a website called PursueGod.org, because we want to help you pursue God. That's our mission. So I'm going to say that again, and then I'm going to say it about 20 more times in the next 25 minutes. If you're a follower of Jesus, your number one mission in your life, this is a pretty definitive statement, but I believe it. Your number one mission in your life is to help people pursue God. So if you're a parent, it starts with your kids. If you have neighbors, then you need to think about that in, in the terms of your neighbors. If you're in a small group, you should think about that in terms of your small group. If you have friends in your life, if you, if you have a job, if you go to work and have a job, then you should think about that when you go to work. You should think about the mission, what today's message, the essential mission of making disciples. We call it helping people pursue God because that's a less churchy way to say it. We want to help people, our kids, our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, people in our small group, people sitting next to you in church. Like we're a community who are about helping people pursue God. And that's why when this pandemic hit, I was excited personally. And Eric was too. Because Eric believes the mission as well. And what, what can happen is it's really easy to think that the church is about going to church. It's easy to think that the church is about listening to sermons. What is the church all about? Well, the church is all about sermons and worship. By the way, Taylor and worship team, great job. That's all that stuff is great. That's not the essential mission. This stuff is, this, to me, this is like cherry on top stuff that we can have guitars and we can gather together again. But I, I've got news for you. We never stopped being the church when COVID hit. The government could shut us down, and that shouldn't make any difference. I'm serious, guys. Like, the government can shut us down, and that should not make any difference. The truth is, the early church 2,000 years ago, 
It looked a lot more like what we've experienced in the last three months than what we're experiencing right now. This isn't what they did in the early church. They didn't gather together and listen to a bald guy preach a sermon. This isn't what they did. Their preachers had hair. No, it was not about the hair. What, what they did was they were out there. They weren't in here. The church left the building here. We, for the last 500 years since the Protestant Reformation, have made the church institutionalized, and we've made it about coming together, gathering together, and listening to people preach sermons at us. I'm not saying that's wrong to come and worship. I think it's great. It's fun, isn't it, to be together again? But guys, let's not take our eye off the ball. That's not our mission. We shouldn't be like, oh, I'm back in church. This is great. I can check my box once a week because this is what I'm supposed to be doing is coming to church and listening to some pastor give a sermon. This is what Christianity boils down to for me. No, that is not what Christianity should boil down to for you. It should boil down to what the real mission is, which is what we're going to talk about starting right now. So here we go. Acts chapter 1, if you have a Bible or Bible app, you can turn there. Acts chapter 1, the apostles follow Jesus for three years. They hear about the, the kingdom of heaven. He's announcing the kingdom of heaven. Then he resurrected. We saw this a couple weeks ago. He resurrected. He, he, he spoke to them for like 40 days, and, he, and he, tell, he told them like secret things, which I don't think were real secret. I think it was basically like he reminded them of the essential mission, the message. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he, res- he goes away, he says, see you guys later, I'm out of here. And he gave them a mission, and they almost got sidelined by the mission, or from the mission. They almost got sidelined. Getting sidelined means you're supposed to be in the game, but you're watching the game from the sidelines. Right? It's like what's happened in every sport in the last three months. <laughs> pray, pray for sports in our nation. You know, this is the, this is the biggest problem is that I can't, I can't watch, you know, the stuff I, I'm used to watching on the weekend. And everyone's been sidelined, right? All these athletes have been sidelined. Nobody's in the game. And, and sadly, I think that is a metaphor for the church. I think the church is filled with people who are, who are spectators when they're supposed to be in the game. And there are three reasons for that, and that's what we're going to look at in today's message. Here's the first reason. Many Christians get sidelined by ignorance. They don't know their mission. They don't, they don't, like this message today, some of you are Christians, and you're saying, what is this man talking about? Like, this is all new to me. I don't understand, and I'm trying to make it plain to you. Many people don't get the mission. They don't understand the mission. But Jesus gave a a clear final commandment, go make disciples. Let's look at that, Matthew 28. Here was the first time he gave this. If if you grew up in the church at all, you would know this as the great, quote unquote, the great commission. It doesn't actually say that in the text. It's what we as Christians have called it. It's the great commission. We all know the great commission. Nobody does the great commission. Everybody knows the great commission. Nobody does the great commission. Here's what he said to his disciples, after his death, after his resurrection. He says, go, make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, which means disciple-making isn't a 
a program in the church to make smart Christians smarter. Because baptism is for people who are new to the faith. So making disciples is, is about evangelism. It's not about, it's not about a theology program in your church. He says, go make disciples of all the nations, which means leave the church, leave the building, get outside, don't just do church in here, get out there, make disciples of all nations, and by the way, when you make a disciple, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, which means that you shouldn't just preach the gospel to them and say, good luck with your Christian life, that you should share the gospel with them, but you should also share your life with them, and you should help them in their marriage. You should help them with their budgeting. You should help them in every area of life where someone might need some help learning how to align their life with this, the Bible. That's what he meant by the last part, teach them to obey all the commands I've given you. Commands like, love your neighbor. Commands like, don't kick your dog. Some of you are like, that's in there? It's actually not in there, but. Teach them to obey everything. That's what disciple making is. Now, we call this the Great Commission, but for today's message, I'm gonna call it something different. This is the final commandment. Because I want you to think of it as a commandment. Hey, men, if, you, if in your Bible study, if in your men's group, someone showed up to men's group and, sa- and just like freely talked about like committing adultery, like would you be like, oh, that's no big deal? No, you'd be like, dude, what are you, ta- what are you doing? God's word is so clear. And you would, you would tell him, you are, you are going against the commands of God. What are you doing? And you would, with, with every fiber in your being, you would call that, I hope, you would call that man to align his life with God's word, wouldn't you? Yes, I hope you would. I know Eric would. I would if, you were, if, if I was mentoring you and you were struggling with something like that. It's so obvious from Scripture. If you had a porn addiction, again, we're not, it's not like we're trying to judge you. We're just, we want to help you obey all the commands I've given you that Jesus gave us. So we're going to come alongside you and walk with you to help you to align your life with what God's word said. What is the most recent command Jesus gave them? Go make disciples. So of all the commands in the Bible, this was the last one. This was the final one. And yet in our churches, and I've been a Christian for more than 40 years. I know some of you are like, you don't even look 30. I know, I know. (laughs) That really wasn't supposed to be that funny, but... But for more than 40 years, I've been a follower of Jesus, and I'm telling you, only recently have I started calling out people in my life for disobeying this last command, the final command. Like, why aren't you making disciples? Jesus said, go make disciples. If you were committing adultery, I would call you out for disobeying a command, but you're not discipling your kids, and I'm not going to call you out for disobeying a command? You're not discipling someone at work or a neighbor. You don't have enough love for someone in your world that you're going to walk with them and help them pursue God. You are, like, you are not a part of the essential mission. You are sidelined. Why? I think so many people are sidelined because of ignorance. They don't realize. They don't, their eyes aren't open, and that's what this message is for. I pray, and I, I, I hope I'm not being too harsh, but I pray that you would open your eyes and that you would look at this and you'd say, I want to do that. And by the end of the sermon, I'm going to tell you how, by the way, if you don't know how. Okay, here's another place where we see the final commandment. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. 
Right before Jesus ascends, he says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's week four's sermon. So we're going to learn more about the essential power in two more weeks. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You see how this is another version of Matthew 28? He says, you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. And then he says this, and pay attention to this because we're going to come back to this in the last point. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And if you look at a map, if you have one of those Bibles that has maps at the back, if you look at a map, you'll find Jerusalem. There's Jerusalem, and then Judea is if you just zoom out a little bit more, and Samaria is if you zoom out a little bit more, and the ends of the earth is if you zoom out all the way. So what he's saying is you start in your homes, you start in Brigham City, you start in, you know, fill in the blank of your school, young people, fill in the blank of, of your workplace. That's where you start, that's your Jerusalem. But then you go further and further and further and further. That's why Alpine's a multi-site church. We started in South Ogden and in a backyard in South Ogden. And then we went a little bit bigger and we went a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. And then, and then you know, Dave and Sue Niedert said, hey, could we, could we go to Brigham City? And that was a part of... This commandment, that's a part of what Jesus was saying is you need to expand out and further and further and further and further. Not just as a church institutionally, but individually as families, we need to think that way about it as well. So now you are not ignorant anymore. You know the final commandment. Don't be sidelined. You know the final commandment. All right, there's another thing that sidelines us, and it's too much information. I'm going to go quickly through this because I actually don't think that this is something that most of us at Alpine have a problem with. But real quick, I want to say this. Some people seek deeper, you see I put that in quotes, deeper Bible knowledge, yet never share the simple message they already know. I can't tell you how many people, I, do, I speak at churches around the country sometimes, and I can't tell you how many people I've met that know the Bible inside and out. They know the Bible so well, and they've never made one disciple and what they're doing is they're being sidelined by information. They think, they think that the point of the Christian life is to just study the Bible and learn the Bible. Now, I'm not against studying the Bible. I went to seminary. I studied the Bible more than most of the people in this room. And I still study the Bible every single day. I am all for studying the Bible. What I'm against is studying the Bible and not obeying the final command. That's what I'm against. And I think it's not just me that's against it. I think Jesus is against it. And again, I don't want to like, spend too much time on this point because I don't think many of you struggle with this thing that you're sidelined by too much information. But here's where it comes from in the text. Look, it says, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, this was before his ascension, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom, restore your kingdom? You know what they're doing right there? As Jewish believers, as Jewish people, they knew, they, they study the Old Testament and they see the theme of this kingdom and that God's going to restore the kingdom and there's going to be a kingdom and Israel's going to be freed and, we're gonna, and, and they're all going to be, you know, at his, you know they're going to be like leading and ruling with him. So what, what's happening here is they had, they had all this like in their, in their 
Bible studies in their Old Testament Torah studies. They're like, we know, we've been hearing about this, we've been studying this, and we really, like, we're really up on this. Like, some of, some of you might know some Christians who are really into end time prophecy, right? I had a friend who came to faith, and he started clipping out newspaper clippings as, and reading Revelation, and I'm not trying to make fun of that. Like, he was a young Christian. He didn't make one disciple, but he sure did know Revelation, or at least his interpretation of Revelation. He got so into that that he got sidelined and never made one disciple. And that's, I think, what's happening here with the disciples is they're like, Lord, you know, we see all this prophecy, all these prophecies, and there's all kinds of prophecies in the, in the Old Testament. And some of you love getting into the prophetic stuff, and you don't make any disciples. And that's what, what's, what's happening. Look at his response. He says, guys, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. Do you know what Jesus is saying there? Stop getting in the weeds. And then the very next verse, he said, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. Not, you're not going to be my Bible study leaders. You're not going to be my, my prophecy experts. You're going to be my witnesses Telling people about me. Telling people what? The basic message that we looked at last week. So don't be sidelined by too much information. The truth is, if you're in this room today, I would venture to guess you know more theology than Peter did when he gave his first sermon and his second sermon and his third sermon and his fourth sermon in the first five chapters of Acts. You know more theology. You're your information is not the problem. In fact, some people, though, they would say, I don't think I know. I don't, I don't think, you know, I don't think that I have enough information. What if I get out there and start discipling someone and I don't know an answer to a question? That's fine. It's not about being the Bible answer man. Discipling someone means you just love them enough to walk with them and help them understand the basic things in the Bible. That's it. If you don't know an answer, here's what you do. You tell them, I don't know that answer. That's what you do. And you know what's going to happen? Is they're going to be like, oh, wow. So wait, you're saying I don't have to know all of the answers to put my faith in Jesus. Yep, that's exactly what I'm saying. All you need to know is that you're broken and that you need a Savior and Jesus is that Savior. That's the main thing you need to know. Now, all the other things we'll learn together. We'll walk, we'll walk through this together. We'll figure this out together. That's what your pastors and leaders are here to help you with but you've got more than enough information to make a disciple. Jesus wouldn't have said, go make disciples, if he didn't think you could do it. That would be mean. He knows you can do it. Last thing. Most Christians get sidelined by comfort. In the early church, it took persecution for Christians to leave their homes and make disciples. Let me show you this in Scripture. Acts, 8, Acts 1.8 says this. Remember this, Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth, right? Starts in Jerusalem. But here's the thing, if you, read, if you read the first seven chapters of Acts, they're still in Jerusalem. In other words, the church hadn't left the building yet. They're still in, except for seven chapters, they're still in Jerusalem, which means they hadn't even moved on to, to Judea yet. And then something happened in Acts chapter 7. Stephen, 
the first Christian martyr dies. Steve, persecution hits, hits Jerusalem. Persecution hits Jerusalem. And persecution scatters the church. And finally, this happens in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. I love the symmetry there. Acts 1.8 and Acts 8.1. So in Acts 8.1, it says this. A great wave of persecution began that day after Stephen's death. Sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. There's so much packed into this and I'm out of time, but let me just show real quick. Number one, persecution was a good thing, not a bad thing. I think COVID's a good thing, not a bad thing. I think COVID is going to wake us up. I, I think if, if we get shut down again in the fall, I think we shouldn't panic. I think we should say, God, put me on mission. The church has left the building again. Here we go again. Good. Stay out of here. Go out there. Look, be scattered. I love this. It says, all the believers except the apostles. So the only guy that can stay in here in the fall is Pastor Eric. You let him stay in here. He'll vacuum. He'll clean. He'll spray everything. You guys should be out there making disciples. Do you notice it says that Eric's not the one that should be out there doing the ministry? The apostles weren't actually doing the ministry in Judea and Samaria. Who was doing the ministry? All the believe, regular folks, regular believers, not the apostles, not the leaders. I love that. That's how it's supposed to be. Jesus wants us to get on mission with him. He does not want us to be sidelined. He doesn't want us to be sitting and, and consuming. He doesn't want us to be observing. He doesn't want us to be just learning and listening and studying. All those things are fine. He doesn't just want us to be worshiping. That's great. All these things are great. Where they're not great is if we fail to do the mission because we think that's what being a Christian's about. Being a Christian is about being on mission. That's what it is. Being a Christian is not about reading and studying your Bibles all day. That's good, but it's no longer good if you're not obeying the basic mission. Now, I want to just close with this. Because I don't want to say all this and not tell you how to do this. The, here's the good news is we finally, at Alpine Church, we finally have a how, not just a what or a why. Here's the why. It's right here in the Bible. Jesus said to do it, so we should do it. But we preached this at Alpine. I preached this for 15 years before I told anyone how to do it. And finally someone said, five years ago they came and said, how do I make disciples? And I was like, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't have an answer. And so that was our job. My job and Eric's job is to help give you an answer, help equip you to make disciples. So here's the quick answer. That's why we created PursueGod.org because we want to equip you to make disciples. Parents in your homes with your kids, disciple your kids one conversation at a time. Pursue God's a conversation library. It's got thousands of conversation starters. Most of you know about it because this, this campus really, really is, is active. And I, I, I uh, thank you for that. But some of you might not know about it. So many of you are in mentoring relationships. That's called discipling. 
Mentoring is where you come alongside someone in a small group, in a family, or one-on-one, and you go through some of those conversations, and you walk through those, whichever ones you need to walk through, you walk through those conversations, and you, you invest in each other's lives, and eventually you go through something called the pursuit at PursueGod.org. The pursuit is our 12-week discipleship track, 12 kind of our, the 12 most important topics we think everyone should go through, and there's training built right into it. So the simple answer how do I disciple someone? Is bring them through the pursuit. And if someone is, is discipling you right now and going through the pursuit with you right now, just be aware that by the end of it, you're going to learn how to do that with someone else. And that's the whole goal because we want everyone to be on mission. And when we do, that makes Jesus happy. He smiles. So let's be on mission. Let's help people pursue God. Let's pray together. God, I pray that you would allow this message to sink into our hearts not just into our minds. And God, I pray that it would impact our hands, what we do, how we walk. And God, I pray that people in this place would, would, be, would open their eyes to the people in their world, to the, to the Judea and the Samaria and the ends of the earth, that they would open their eyes and they would say, God, show me who I can help. Show me who I can mentor, who I can disciple. And God, I pray that this church Brigham City, Alpine Church, Brigham City would leave the building. In Jesus' name.